Hey, my name is Ryan McVitie, and I am the pastor of the River Worship. Thank you so much for joining us on our podcast. If you haven't heard about the river yet, it's an amazing move of God happening in the greater Toronto area. Yes, Toronto, Canada. It's a cold place, but we have warm hearts, and we love coming together every Tuesday night and worshiping the Lord with all we've got. We also get to dive into the Word, and that's where we're going to go right now. We're going to dive into the Word of God, and I trust and pray that it will impact you in a powerful way. If you're ever in the Toronto area, come visit us. We would love for you to worship with us together. But enjoy the message, and God bless you. Any West Enders? Who are the West Enders in here? I know you drive and make it out. Thank you for coming. I see hands everywhere. Navigating the 401. Thank God you're alive. Thank you for being here. Uh, 407, you're probably broke, but you might have got here quicker. Um, thank you for coming all this way. Pastor Moses is an incredible communicator of the gospel. Um, his pastor, the head pastor at All People's Church, is here tonight, Dr. Tony Soldano. Give him a big warm welcome. That's right. He's a professor here at Canada Christian College. We love him. We're so thankful for him and his ministry. And, but tonight it's uh, Pastor Moses Khan bringing the word. He's been pastoring for seven years at APC. He's here tonight with his wonderful fiance. Your boy is getting married. Come on. Give it up for Emily right here. Yeah, I, 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 I could tell you his biography and all the amazing things he's done for the Lord, and they are many, but I'd rather tell you this. Um, get this situation. He's the assistant pastor at All People's Church, the senior pastor. <laughs> Dr. Tony, who I just told you about a minute ago. Guess who Dr. Tony's daughter is? <laughs> Pastor Moses' fiance. So uh, he's marrying his boss's daughter. So y'all should pray for him. They're getting married in August, and they're just such a wonderful couple following the Lord and doing amazing ministry at APC. So would you just do, a, do me a favor and give him a big welcome, the way we welcome people here at the River Worship to Pastor Moses Khan. Come on up, brother. Come on, River family. Come on, let's make some noise for Jesus tonight. He's the reason we're here. He's the reason we're here. He's the reason we're here. Man, I'm so excited. So excited. You may be seated. Wow, y'all are overwhelming. This room is full. This room is full. Well, listen, man, I want, I'm, so, I'm so grateful. I'm so honored to be here. What a privilege. What an honor it is to be with you tonight to speak just for a couple moments based on the Word of God. And I just want to say that uh, this is indeed an honor. This indeed is a privilege. I don't take this moment, this moment lightly. And uh, I'm excited because I know you want to be here. And so you're going to be super easy to preach to. Because who else is going to drive to Whitby in the middle of rain unless you really want to be here? All right? And so, yeah, it's going to be good. We're going to have a good time. But Man, I just want to give honor to where honor is due. Pastor Ryan, Pastor Lindsay, we so love you and appreciate you. Thank you for the vision uh, that you have and the leadership that you have because uh, it takes special leaders to oversee this, to manage this, and to be a faithful steward of what God is doing here in Whitby. And so we honor you. We honor you for that. Um, and Dr. Charles and Dr. Jennifer, we honor you as well. Thank you for your faithfulness and for your legacy that will be remembered even beyond your years. And so 
We just honor you and I uh, just want to honor my lead, my pastor here, my future father-in-law. Um, yeah, yeah. Love you. You are a gift to me. And uh, I want you to know this, that, um, you know, blessings don't come on four wheels and look shiny sitting on your driveway. Uh, blessing comes, blessings come on two legs. Uh, blessings come mostly in the form of relationships. Uh, and if you can do your best and your due diligence to recognize the blessings that God has placed in your life, that are the relationships he's placed around you and he's surrounded you with, uh, man, you will go so far. You will go so far and God will hold you to a high esteem because you choose to honor. Amen? Amen. So I honor you as uh, the man that God has placed over my life and my fiance looks so good. And Yeah. Yeah, I could say more, but I'm going to keep that to myself. <laughs> and because her father's sitting next to her, so it just, it just wouldn't be appropriate. Okay. <laughs> All right, you ready for the word? Come on, come on. Uh, I want to take you to Genesis chapter 3. Genesis chapter 3. Turn with me to Genesis chapter 3. Is it all right if we stand for God's word tonight? All right. And can we also give it up for the worship, the production, the volunteers, everything, everyone that puts their hand to the plow to make tonight happen? Man, so good. All right, here we go. Here's what the Word of God says. Genesis 3, uh, 1 to 11. I'm reading out of the ESV translation. It says this. Uh, now the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord God had made, he said to the woman, did God actually say that you shall not eat of any tree in the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, you know, that was her first mistake. She spoke back to a snake. Uh, we may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden, but God said you shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden, neither shall you touch it lest you die. But the serpent said to the woman, you shall surely not die, for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God. How many know that was a lie? But the Bible tells us that they were already formed and fashioned in the likeness of God. In the image of God, he created both male and female. And so he was selling her something that was already within her. And maybe her problem was, come on, maybe her problem was she wasn't accessing what God had already deposited. And so she took the lie of a serpent. You should surely not die, for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be open. You will be like God, knowing good and evil. So, when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was a delight to the eyes, right? Dessert. How many of you have a hard time saying, the saying no to dessert? Yeah, both hands are up. It was a delight to the eyes and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise. She took of it. She took of its fruit and ate, and she also gave some to her husband. Notice who was with her, who was with her, and he ate. And the eyes of both were opened, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loincloths. And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the cool of the day. And the man said to his wife, and the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. They thought they could hide from God. But the Lord called to the man and said to him, where are you? 
And he said, I heard the sound of you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. He said, who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten of the tree which I commanded you not to eat? The title of our time together is a question, and the question is this. Where are you? Where are you? Would you pray with me? Father, we thank you for these next few moments that we have in your presence. We know that you are here. We feel you. We've experienced you already. And so we thank you for what you are doing. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would open everyone's heart, everyone's mind, that our ears and our eyes would be open to hear your voice. Be our teacher. Lead us into the truth which only you can do. Lord, let there be no one here who does not hear your voice plainly and clearly tonight. Do what only you can do. Have your way. God, help me to make much of Jesus. It's in your name I pray. Amen. Amen. Hey, listen, before you have a seat, would you turn around and just say hi to somebody around you that you don't know? Welcome them. Awesome. Hey, any pizza lovers in the house? Yeah, I love, I love me uh, some pizza, some wood fire oven pizza. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, Pastor Ryan, so generous. He, he, he took me to a green room, which wasn't green, by the way. If you're wondering if green rooms are green, they're not green. Uh, and there was pizza there, and, and beside the pizza was, he's so experienced, okay? Beside the pizza was a bottle of Tums. I said, man, this guy knows what he's doing. This guy knows what he's doing, but man, I love pizza. I remember this one time we went out uh, downtown Brampton, and I don't know about you, if you drive, I hate downtown, or downtown Toronto. I hate going to downtown Toronto. I hate it. I don't like it. It's confusing, okay? I'm not used to it. I, 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 I like to turn wherever I can turn. If there's a lane, I'd like to use it. But in Toronto, it doesn't work like that. They tell you, hey, you can't turn right here. You can't turn left here. And, and God forbid, I, 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 I kid you not, pedestrians show up out of thin air. You know what I mean? And you're like, I almost killed this person. And they don't care. They just keep walking. And so I hate, I hate driving um, in downtown. And there was this night we, we went out. We all of us went out. Uh, Dr. Sony was there. And... Um, he calls me because he's in a different car, and we're heading to this, um, we're heading to this pizza place, great pizza place, and, and uh, he knows downtown better than I do, and I'm like a confused little lost puppy when it comes to downtown uh, Toronto. I am so lost. I GPS everywhere. Um, I don't know if you're like me. I, I GPS to places I know how to get to. Because, like, just in case. You know what I mean? Uh, just in case. And so he calls me. I don't know where I am. It's nighttime and it's raining. He goes, hey, where are you? I go, um, I'm actually not sure. And, and, and Dr. Sony, he doesn't do so well with like, un like unclarity and uncertainty. What do you mean you're not sure? What street are you on? Are you on? And, and man, can I come here? This is, I was waiting for this all night. Okay. Okay. This is, this is cool, right? Um, you know those people um, who work for the devil? 
Um, and they use things like uh, this street west, this street east. Are you on, are you on Queen Street East or Queen Street? What? That's just confused me way more because now I got to pull up a compass because when's the last time I did that? Um, and I got to figure out my directions. And so he's like, where are you? I'm like, I have no idea. But there seems to be this building near me and this thing uh, near me. And, and he begins to increase his volume. No, no, no. Like, where are you? And I'm like, hey, uh, stop yelling at me. Uh, that's not helping. Because mind you, I'm still trying to drive in the midst of downtown Toronto. It's raining, it's dark. Pedestrians are popping up out of the concrete, out of the asphalt, and I don't know what's going on. And so I am so confused. Anyways, by the grace of God, we made it to the pizza place and it was, it was really good. And we had a good time and we got home safe and that was, uh, that was all right. But just the thought of him asking me, hey, where are you? And me trying to find a physical location that I could say, hey, this building is near me or this post is near me to let him know, hey, this is where I am. Uh, God finds Adam and Eve in their sin and his question to them is not, hey, you suck. This isn't church, so I can use that language. <laughs> right? Pastor, you heard Pastor right. He said this is not a church, right? Uh, his question, his, his, his statement to them is, hey, you, you suck. His, his question is, hey, where are you? Where, where are you? I've come for our usual walk in the garden. Where, where are you? And you know the story, Adam and Eve, because of their sin, shame and guilt has overtaken them and they are now hiding because they see themselves as naked and they don't want to be exposed and they know that they've disobeyed God. The direction you head when God says I'm coming says a lot about where you think you are with him. Because they hear God coming, and here's the crazy part, okay? What does God sound like? What does, what, what's that? Morgan Freeman. <laughs> the younger generation is like, what? Um, yeah, he, he, recognized, he recognized the footsteps of God. And so he, he hid himself. And God says, hey, um, here, where are, where are you? Now, you want to know something fascinating? Here's the fascinating thing. Um, hey, Adam and Eve, wh where, where are you? The reality is this. Um, where they will be from now on will never look like where they once were. Where, where they will be from here on will never look like where they once were. Because here's the reality. The condition of your soul determines where you are, not your geographical location. And Adam and Eve, because they disobeyed God, they stepped into spiritual death. In other words, the decay of their spirituality has begun. They have sabotaged the one thing holding together their internal world, and that is their relationship with God. They've sabotaged their relationship with God. You know what's fascinating about this is uh, Adam and Eve were the only ones who lived in a world of sin and yet had clear memory of what the world was like before it. They were the only ones now living in a world of sin who had clear memory of what the world was like before sin. Can I say it this way? Uh, they were the only ones qualified to say, remember the good old days? 
Remember the good old days. I know we, we hear that all the time. Remember the good old days, and usually we're talking about times without cell phones and times where you could go to the park and times where you could eat gum off the floor and didn't have to worry about dying since COVID happened and now everything will kill you. You know what I'm talking about? Remember the good old, they were the only ones qualified to say that because they were the only ones who were not born into iniquity. See, you and I are born into iniquity. They were born into a world called good, but they chose iniquity. They chose, they chose sin. And so wherever they go now in this broken and sinful world, they're always going to remember that where they are now is not where they were created to be. Where you are now is not where you're created to be. And so God, for ever since this moment, has been trying to get us to ask the question that he asked Adam and Eve, and that is, hey, where are you? Not here, not in this room, but the condition of your soul. Where are you? And all this happened. All this happened. Why? Because they chose to get too close to something God told them to stay away from. They chose to get too close to something that God told them to stay away from. Um, and I don't know about you, this is, just, this is just hypothetical, but I don't think this was their first interaction with the snake or the fruit. I don't, and I can't prove that to you, but I personally don't believe this was their first interaction. You know what I mean? Because here's the thing about sin. Um, before sin comes, temptation comes. Right? Um, and before temptation comes, there are thoughts. And thoughts create inclinations. And it is our inclinations that create the desire to get close to a thing that we should otherwise stay far from. And that's why you stay longer than you should. You look back twice. You take one more. Because your inclinations have caused you to be curious. And so I don't think this was the first time that they experienced this conversation with the snake. I think, I, think, I think this has happened before. Now they've gotten to a place where they eventually gave in. Here's my first point for tonight. Point number one, that's close enough. That's close enough. Have you ever gotten too close to a thing that you shouldn't get too close to? Right? Uh, whether that's a thing or whether that's a person. Hello? Can we be honest tonight? Yeah. Um, that's, that's close enough. Uh, the first time I ever went to a museum was uh, we were in Israel. And uh, I'd never been to a museum before. I'm not really the type of guy to go stare at art. That might be your thing, but I just find that really boring. Like, I'm like, I could do something else. You know what I mean? And I always wonder about those people who post these, like, very mysterious pictures of they're looking at, the, they're looking at art, and they're, they're usually standing like this. You know what I mean? And some random took a picture of them, and they post some, like, caption about pondering life and, and all of that. And it's like, man, you don't know what that means. You don't know what this art means. And, well, I think it represents this, and I think the color blue. So I went to this museum. It was my first time in a museum, so I don't know there's rules. Do you know there's rules in museums? Yeah, there's, there's rules. I don't know there's rules, okay? Um, I don't know you're not allowed to get too close to the art. They don't tell you that when you walk in. There should be somebody at the door to go, 
hey, um, there are rules here. Don't get too close to the, to the ark. Otherwise, this crazy alarm starts going off. And everyone in the museum looks at you and starts giving you all these weird looks like, who's this weirdo that doesn't, that doesn't know you're not supposed to get this close to the ark. You're supposed to stand 10 feet from it and have a stranger take a picture of you while you, while you look at it like this. He doesn't know the rules. And so I didn't, I didn't know that. Um, and there was, there was actually a tape on the ground, and maybe this is because I have no sense of awareness, um, that's supposed to signify, hey, if you get, if you get close, to the, close to the tape, you have to understand that that's too close. You got you to back up because this is precious art, and you can't afford this precious art. And so, so move back. That's, that's too close. Have you realized that... Uh, that we often don't realize the cost until we've already gotten too close. Right? This, if only we could have somebody tell us, hey, hey, um, there's a cost to this. Don't get too close. And I asked myself the question, man, Adam, Adam was right there. He was watching this whole thing go down. How come Adam didn't interfere and say, hey, Eve, that's too close? Hey, Eve, that's... That's too close. We've come around this tree one too many times. We've, we've, we've entertained the conversation of the serpent one too many times. Eve, that's too close. Let's back it up from here. But that's not, that's not what happens, is it? See, before Adam and Eve had a problem, uh, had a sin problem, they actually had a proximity problem. Before they had a sin problem, they had a proximity problem. And you know that the closer you get to a thing, the more likely you are to be impacted by that thing. You've heard it said, bad company corrupts good character. And so the closer you get to a thing, the more likely you are to be impacted by the thing. And, and maybe you have a story where you got involved with the wrong group of people. And you thought you were the invincible one. You thought you were Jesus in the crowd. And it turned out they had a greater influence on you than you did on them. And you figured out the cost of getting too, too close. And no one was there to warn you, hey, that's close. That's close enough. See, they weren't just affected by it. They were infected. And sin was the result of them getting closer than they should. And if you study the Old Testament, you know that throughout the Old Testament, here's the reality that we see in the people of God. The reality is that because humanity got too close to the wrong thing, we weren't allowed to get too close to the right thing. And so if you study the Old Testament, you'll see that, that because of what they've done, there is now this barrier between God and his creation. There is now this barrier between God and humanity, all because we decided to get close to the wrong thing. Now we cannot get too close to the right thing. And so you study the Old Testament and you will find that there were only a few select people who were allowed to get close. We sang of one today. Moses. Moses. Moses has an interesting story because Moses is probably the only person in the Old Testament that got as close to God as anyone. And so what happens in the Old Testament is, is Moses begins to meet with God. You know the story. He meets with God on, on Mount Sinai and, and God's glory is just on him. So much so that it is blinding to the average Person. And then there's this instance where, where Moses actually sets up a tent outside of the camp. And others are basically told, hey, don't get too close. 
because of your sin, don't get too close because God's holiness might overwhelm you. In fact, it might actually kill you. How crazy is that? That there was a time where God's holiness could just kill you. And so in the Old Testament, that's what we see. There was a great danger for Israel to get too close lest they be consumed by his holiness. How are we doing so far? I want to read to you Exodus 33 just to show you this moment in the camp. Here's what it says. Now Moses used to take the tent and pitch it outside the camp, far off from the camp, far off from the camp, far off from the camp. Why was it far off from the camp? Because they weren't allowed to get too close. They were told, hey, that's close enough. That's close enough. Now, this moment actually happens literally moments after uh, Moses comes down with the Ten Commandments and, they, and he sees the Israelites worshiping the golden calf. I don't have too much time to get into uh, this story, but essentially God sees their rebellion. God sees their sinful state and says, hey, uh, don't allow them to get too close. I'm good for them, right? But if they continue to operate in rebellion, I'm actually dangerous to them. And so he only allows Moses to, to come close. And so it was outside the camp. Verse 8, whenever Moses went out to the camp, all the people would rise up and each would stand at his tent door and watch Moses go into the tent. When Moses entered the tent, the pillar of cloud would descend and stand at the entrance of the tent and the Lord would speak with who? Not Israel. Who? Yeah, because only Moses was allowed to get this close. And when all the people saw the pillar of cloud standing at the entrance of the tent, all the people would rise up and they would worship. Notice, from where? Each at his tent. Because they couldn't get too close. Thus the Lord used to speak to Moses face to face. We sang about that. As a man speaks to his friend, when Moses turned again into the camp, his assistant Joshua, son of Nun, a young man, would not depart from the tent. So what happened? What happened? What happened? Uh, only Moses was allowed to get close, and others had to watch. They had to worship from afar. They, they couldn't actually personally get to know the God that they're worshiping. They had to worship from afar. And they had to watch Moses worship God. And they could only worship from the tent. From the tent. So, you know the story, right? God frees Israel from 400 years of slavery. He, he calls them. He chooses them. He sets them free. And do you know why he set them free? Does anyone know? Because most of us, we think, we think it's so that he could bring them to the promised land. That's the side benefit. One of the main reasons that God frees Israel, and I don't have time to get into, get into it, but one of the main reasons he frees Israel is so that they can go worship him in the wilderness. He says, hey, Moses, go tell Pharaoh that God's people need to go worship him. And so he needs to set them free. Why? So that they can worship me. And, I, and I'm here to tell you that God is still looking for a people that he wants to set free, not so that he can bless you, not so that he can multiply the numbers in your bank account, but that you could know the God who has created you and you can enter into a space where you can worship him freely without care, without cause, without concern, because you know that there is a God 
who has set his affections upon you. Set them free because they need to, they need to worship me. And here's what happens. <laughs> um, here's what happens. They, they actually want the promised land more than they want God. It's a crazy thing when God gives us a choice, isn't it? Sometimes I wake up and I go, God, just choose you for me. You know what I mean? It would be so much easier if God just chose himself for me. God doesn't do that. God says, no, 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 you need to choose me because worship without choice isn't worship. If anyone forces you to raise your hand, if anyone forces you to open your mouth, ladies and gentlemen, that is not worship. That is simply conforming to what is happening in the room. So God has called us to, to worship, but they want the promised land more than they want God. And so God promises them the promised land, but he only promises the promised land through the journey of the wilderness. Right? So they journey to the promised land. It's like, hey, God, where are we going? Uh, the promised land? Yes. What are we going through? The wilderness? Oh. Right? Because where God wants to take you to, ultimately, has, he has to bring you through something to take you there. And so your two is always on the other side of your through. Right? So if we're going to journey to the promised land, we're going to journey through the wilderness, and it becomes apparent they want the promised land more than they want God. Um, but God's plans are different. Have you ever noticed God's plans are different? Like you go, hey, God, I want my life figured out, and I want it this way. Hey, Dr. Ryan, I forget if the cl clock is counting up or counting down. It's counting up. Okay. So that's how long I've spoken for already? Dang, I'm a, I'm a talker. Okay. Um. Okay. So, so, so. Um, here's what I figured out. God's, God's plans are different. God's, God's plans are, are, are different. Um, God sometimes promises us something. If God has ever given you a dream, raise your hand. Yeah. Look around you, man. That's awesome. Right? And how many of you, you God gives you a dream, but you begin to plan it out? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, hey, guess what? That's not how it works. That's not, that's not how it works. Um, the dream giver actually gets to determine the plan for it. Right? And so, and so here's the funny thing about your plans. God bypasses them. Because the Bible says God ordains your steps. And so it's like you plan to go this way, but God's like, nope, you're going this way, bro. And so God would say, hey, it doesn't, it doesn't, it doesn't work. It doesn't work like that. I've got a nephew. Um, he's five years old now, but Back when he was three years old, he asked me this funny question. And uh, he said to me this, he said, he said, he looked right at me. We're just having, we're having a good time. And you got to love children, right? Like, I'm sure Maverick, man, when he gets into that question, when he gets to the age of asking questions, man, watch out. My nephew, Jeremiah, he, he looks at me and he goes, uh, hey, uncle, um, aren't you getting bored of that here stop? <laughs> All right. <laughs> what? <laughs> I 
I didn't know what to do. I was like, should I laugh? Should I be offended? But he was so serious. He goes, aren't you getting bored of that hairstyle? Maybe you should try something else. I've noticed you've been like this my entire life. And I had to say to him, hey, buddy, um, that's actually not how this works. This is the only hairstyle I've got. This is the, it's the only hairstyle I've got. And I'm not about to go put on a piece and walk in the room and, and pretend like yesterday is today and there's no difference. You know what I mean? Like, what do you do with that? Like, and, so, and so God would look at us and goes, yeah, that, no, that's cute. I gave you that promise, but, but you don't get to plan it out. That's not, that's not actually how it works. You're going to go through the wilderness in order to get to the circumstance because here's the reality. If God changes their circumstance uh, without changing them, they would have a new life, but they wouldn't be able to sustain it. Because God changed their circumstance, but God did not change them. In other words, a God would actually be doing them a disservice. Right? And the reality is, if we're all true, sometimes we just want to benefit from God without committing to God. Right? No, just me? Yeah, yeah. Sometimes I'm like, God, just give me your benefit, and, and I'll just do my own thing. But God's like, no, 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 that's not how it works. Because if I change your life without giving you life, you can't sustain the life I give you. And so here's the reality. The reality is the only one that can sustain your life is the one who gives it to you. And, and I'm here to tell you that God does a way better job at sustaining you than you can. Because I don't know if you know this, but he woke you up. Yeah, 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 he did. He did. He, he put his breath in you. And you don't even realize it, but every time you breathe in and you breathe out, that's God's mercy and grace. And so they're like, all right, let's skip the wilderness. Let's go to the promised land. But here's what I've learned. God doesn't take shortcuts, right? Because shortcuts sabotage your growth. And they keep you from becoming the person that God wants you to be. And so what happens, they keep choosing wrong. And as a result, they're not allowed to get close. They settle for a that's close enough life. That's, that's close enough. Hey, how close are you to God? I'm close enough. I'm, cl I'm close enough. And so they settle for a I'm close enough life. Here's what they, here's what they say to themselves. Um, we'll just let the qualified people get close. We'll stand back and watch. Man, how many times have you told yourself that lie? That let's just make room for the qualified people. Let's just make room for the clean people. Let's just make room for the people who've got it all figured out. And I'll just stand back and watch. I'll live the life of, I'm close enough. Now why is that? Why is it that, that when it comes to sin, we erase the line in the sand to get closer than we should? But when it comes to God, we draw a line in the sand and don't get close as we could. Why is that? Well, what I love about God is God loves to change the narrative. How many of you would testify that God loves to change the narrative? God has changed your story and who you were in the past is not who you are today. And the future that God has for you is brighter than the past that you had for yourself. Amen? And so God loves to change 
uh, the narrative. And so here's what happens in the New Testament. Um, Jesus shows up. And I don't know about you, but I get happy every time Jesus shows up because here's what Jesus does. He provides a shift. And in the New Testament, we go from that's close enough to not close enough. That's point number two, if you're taking notes. When Jesus shows up, he takes us from a life of that's close enough, and he brings us into a life of not close enough. Let me read to you out of John chapter 1. How are we doing? John 1 says this, in the beginning was the Word. Who's the Word? Yeah, it's Jesus. Right? And so all those people who tell you the Old Testament God was different, no, he was Jesus. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning, and all things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of man. Jump down to verse 14, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. You know that word in the Greek literally means to pitch up a tent? Yeah, yeah. When, when John says uh, Jesus came and dwelt among us, he's saying, Jesus set up a tent. Now, who else do we know that set up a tent? Moses. Moses, right? And he was allowed to be closer than anyone else. And he was allowed to see the glory of God. Here's the crazy thing. The glory just showed up. The glory just, the glory just showed up. Let, let's read this. Let's read this. And the word became flesh, dwelt among us, set up a tent, and we have seen his glory. What Moses experienced then is here now. Glory is of, as the, of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. John bore witness about him and he, when he cried out that this was he of whom I said, he who comes after me ranks before me because he was before me. From his fullness we have all received grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus. What is the grace? That we can come closer than we were allowed. That there is a shift. That we've, we have shifted from that's close enough to not close enough. That's what his grace allows us to do. Verse 18, no one has ever seen God, the only God, who is at the Father's side. He, Jesus, has made him known. And so when Jesus comes, he comes to provide a shift for humanity from a life of that's close enough into a life of not close enough. I love what Jesus says to to Philip. Jesus says to Philip, hey, Philip, um, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. And the religious people get so upset at Jesus because here's the problem that the religious people have with Jesus. Uh, Jesus has made God too available. He's, he's made God too easy to access it. This is why Jesus says, hey, my burden is easy, my burden uh, and my yoke, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Because he's made God available. He's made God easy to access. And I want to give you a couple of examples of how he does that, and we're done. And we're going to worship some more. Are you excited for that? Okay. Uh, the first example I want to take you to is when Jesus cleansed the temple. Now, here's the thing. Don't ask Jesus to come clean your house. Because he'll just flip tables. He, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's more of a furniture mover than... He, he goes and cleanses the temple, and he says something. He says, hey, uh, all you religious folk, you've made my house, my father's house, which is supposed to be a house of prayer. You've made it into a den of thieves. 
In other words, my father's house was supposed to be a house where people could connect with God, and you've made it a hangout for thieves. And so Jesus kicks them out. Jesus kicks them out. And here's the beautiful part. The Bible says that when the corrupted were removed, the lame and the blind came to Jesus, and they were healed. Who are the lame and the blind? Uh, the lame and the blind are those who were told not to come close. They were told, stay outside the temple because that's close enough. And Jesus would say, no, 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 it's not close enough. You, you can come closer because the way maker is here. The one who parts the Red Sea is here. The one who is the life giver is here. The one who knows no boundaries nor limits is here. And so come as you can. The second example is Peter's call. Remember when Peter first gets called and he, Jesus tells him to go fishing and Peter goes, I'm tired, but okay, if you say so. And then they catch this huge amount of fish and Here's what Peter does. Peter falls on his face and tells Jesus, get away from me. He literally says, I'm too sinful to stand this close to you. In other words, the mindset of, hey, hey, that's close enough was still prevalent. But here's the beautiful part. Peter at the end of the Gospels, okay? How many know Peter denied Jesus three times? Yeah. I think somebody almost clapped for that. No. Peter denied Jesus three times, um, but here's the crazy part. I want you to see the discrepancy in this because at the, end of the, at the end of the Gospels, Peter is in his sinful state. He's having, he's denied Jesus. He sees Jesus on the shore cooking fish in the morning, and he jumps out of the boat and runs to Jesus, okay? Catch the discrepancy. Early Peter falls on his face and says, get away from me, I'm sinful. Later, Peter, in his denied state, sees Jesus and runs to him. I'm like, wait, hold on. Peter, you should be the last one to get out of the boat. And yet he runs to Jesus in a sinful state. I wonder what Peter knows about Jesus that we don't. I wonder what Peter knows about Jesus that you and I don't. Maybe, maybe, maybe every time you see Jesus, it's not because Jesus wants to condemn you. Or maybe every time you see Jesus or you hear the name Jesus or there's an invitation to come close, maybe it's because he's just waiting for you to come closer so you can experience him for who he is so all the lies in your mind can be dispelled about the reality of who you are and who you thought God once was. Because I'm here to tell you, God is closer than you think. He's closer than your next breath. The last example, and we're done. Yeah, let's, let's play because this is going to be a spiritual closing, and it's going to be nice. <laughs> Pastor Ryan, how am I doing for time? Am I okay? Okay. Uh, the woman with the issue of the blood. You can read about this story in Luke, and here's what Luke tells us. Um, there's this woman with the issue of, the story, with, with the issue of blood, and um, legally she's not allowed anywhere close to people. Wait to catch this. All her life she's been told, hey, that's close enough. Don't come any closer. That is close enough. You're unclean. But then she finds something about Jesus. She hears about Jesus, and we're not told too much of the details. All we can know is somehow she encountered Jesus before she encountered Jesus. Figure that one out. And so she tells herself, man, if only I can go and touch the hem of his garment, I can be healed. So imagine this. She crawls through a crowd of people just to reach and touch. And she's healed. And Jesus goes, who touched me? 
and the disciples are like, Jesus, you're surrounded with people, man. Like, what do you mean who touched you? No, 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 I felt power leave me. This felt different because faith feels different. And she's healed because she believes that this man has gotten rid of the lie of that's close enough. And this man has extended an invitation of come. Come as close as you think you can. Come closer than you think you're allowed to come. Come so you can experience life. Come so you can know me in ways you've never known me before. Come so that you can know your creator. Come so that you can know that there is one who desires you, who is the treasure of all nations, who is the ultimate satisfaction of your soul. His name is Jesus, and he extends an invitation still today. And so just so that I'm a good preacher, I'm going to jump back to Genesis 3, and we're done. Adam and Eve get kicked out of the garden because of their sin. And I want you to think about something. Adam and Eve get kicked out, but they're not the only ones who left the garden. God left the garden too. He did. God did not lock himself inside the garden. He left with Adam and Eve. And he's been journeying with humanity ever since, waiting for the right time to send his son Jesus so that he could introduce to humanity a new garden. And this time it wouldn't be a physical place, it would be an internal place. The garden is inside you. The garden is inside you because his life is inside you. And that's why Jesus says, abide in me. Die will abide in you. You know God has been pursuing you ever since you were born. And maybe repentance, Pastor Ryan, is simply turning around to the one who's been pursuing you this whole time. Maybe that's what repentance is. Because God's been pursuing you and here's the reality and we're done. The enemy is still playing the same tricks I want you to know that he's always been playing. And he's trying to convince you that God is further than he really is. Let's circle back to Genesis 3 and I want to show you one thing and we're done and we're going to sing and Clark Beckham is going to sing. Where's Clark Beckham? He's, he's coming. They're rolling him in on a piano, I was told. He's going to sit. No? No, the piano's coming before? Oh, he's, okay, all right. Um, Genesis 3, you can, you, can, you can study this in your own time, but if you study the book of Genesis in the early pages, you, you see the writer. The writer is Moses, by the way. And Moses introduces God. He says, God created. In the beginning was God. In the beginning, God created and God said. And all these things happened. But all of a sudden, all of a sudden, there's this chapter which describes to us the context in which God creates humanity. And all of a sudden, Moses shifts the language. He no longer says God created. He says the Lord God. And to you, you go, wow, okay, that's an interesting piece of language, Pastor Moses. But what does that really mean? Here's what I want you to know. The... The word God in the original language simply means Elohim. It's how you and I use the word God. It literally represented the creator God. It was in one way the most generic Hebrew word you could use for God. 
But within the context of humanity, the word changes, the name changes. And, and Moses says that within the context of humanity, God will not just be known as creator God, he will be known as the Lord God. And here's what the Lord God means in Hebrew. It's literally the word Yahweh Elohim. And Yahweh is God's covenant name. Yahweh is God's intimate name. Yahweh is God's personal name, who, by the way, was only revealed to Moses. And here's what happens. When the serpent shows up, he doesn't use the covenant name. He uses the generic name. So if you look at the language, the Lord God, the Lord God, and the Lord God was in their midst, and the Lord God created the serpent, and the serpent said to Eve, did God create? And it continues, and it continues, and it, and it goes back. Moses changes the language back to the Lord God, Yahweh Elohim. And here's, here's the thing, here's the thing, here's the thing, right? Because the enemy wants to convince you that God is further than he really is. And so rather than using his personal name, he uses his generic name. And it's almost as if to say, hey, Eve, God isn't actually close as you think he is, so you might as well disobey him. Because it's easier to cheat on a God who is distant. It's easier to cheat on a God who is distant, who you think is not so close. And, and here's the reality, right? Here's what the serpent tried to convince Eve of, that God is just far enough to acknowledge but he's not close enough to experience. He's just far enough to acknowledge, yeah, God, he created it all. But he's not close enough to experience. And there's this story and we're done. Martha and Mary invite Jesus into their home. And, and Martha, if you know the story, is busy in the kitchen and she's distracted. And she says to Jesus, hey, Jesus, tell Mary to help me with serving you. And, and, and Jesus says to Mary, Jesus says to Mary, um, or Jesus says to Martha, hey, Mary, hey, Martha, you're distracted with so many things, but I want you to know that Mary has chosen the good portion. Now, here's the, here's the funny thing, right? Here's the funny thing. Um, Jesus is in their house, but only one is experiencing him. In other words, proximity does not mean intimacy. You can be in a room where God is and not encounter him. Because you believe that he's still God, not Yahweh Elohim. Not the God who wants to encounter you. Not the God who wants to be committed to you. And so I would say, where are you? Where are you? And how you answer that question is directly related to where you think God is. And I'd like to tell you here tonight that God is in the living room, i.e., he wants to make his home in you. He wants to make his home in you. And I don't know about you, but I'm tired of telling God where he's allowed to go and where he isn't allowed to go. Let God be God, I say. And we're done, and we're done. Let's bow our heads. Let's close in prayer because if I go two over time, I'm never going to get invited back. Would you bow your heads with me? God, I thank you that you are here. Holy Spirit, that you are dispelling lies. 
Father, I pray that in every heart, in every mind, in every soul, in this room, under the sound of my voice, Lord, that each one of them would be convinced that you are closer than their next breath, that you are more committed to them than they are to you, and their unfaithfulness does not disqualify your faithfulness, for you sent your Son and paid with blood their eternal life. And so right now, if you are in this room, man, and you're feeling the Holy Spirit working in your heart, in your mind, you might not even know that that is what it's called. You, you just know something's going on. Just as every head is bowed and every eye is closed, I just want to invite you, if that's you tonight, and you're saying, man, I want to accept the invitation to move closer than I've ever been before. I want, you to, inv I want to invite you to just to say this simple prayer. Jesus, make your home in me. Jesus, make your home in me. Make me the garden. Make me the tent. Make me the place your glory resides. Just as every head is bowed and eyes closed, if you said that prayer and invited Jesus in, to your life. I want to pray for you. Just slip up your hand. There's no shame. Every head is bowed. Every eye is closed. If that's you, if you prayed that prayer, just stick up your hand. I want to pray for you. This is between you and God. This is between you and God. I see your hand. I see your hand. God, I thank you for these hands. And I thank you that life has been deposited into their soul. And now, Holy Spirit, you reside in each and every single one of them. And so come, let your life be so overwhelming. Let they be so overtaken, God. Let every place in their life that looked like death be removed and let your life be ushered in in the name of Jesus. And for the rest of us, God, may we never settle. May we never settle. May we never say that's close enough. May we see the invitation that is ever before us from the eternal one, the ancient of days. God, we pursue you, we press in, and we say, Holy Spirit, lead us however you want to lead us and take us wherever you want to take us. We belong to you. We are committed to you. It's about you and no one else. And so, God, make much of yourself. In Jesus' name, and all God's people said, amen. Come on, can we praise God tonight?